You're listening to The Zeitgeist, a podcast focused on Germany, the United States, and the transatlantic relationship. Join us as we discuss economics, politics, security, and more. I'm Jeff Rathke, president of the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. I want to welcome all of our listeners to this episode of The Zeitgeist. Uh, and uh, today we're going to talk about uh, German politics. September 26th, 2021 will be election day in Germany. That may seem like a long way away, but I think those of us who have lived through the last uh, US election cycle um, realize how quickly um, time passes. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, the situation inside uh, the Christian Democratic Union, um, Germany's center-right political party. Uh, the CDU is perhaps the most successful political party in post-war Europe has been governed Germany for decades, um, only during two periods have uh, opposition parties or have other parties uh, governed uh, governed Germany. And of course, Angela Merkel, the chancellor of Germany is a member of the CDU and she has been in power for 15, 15 years. Um, she is, is you know, now the second longest uh, serving chancellor in post-war German history. If you look at opinion polls, you see also that the CDU is far and away ahead of its opponents with about 35 to 37% of, uh, of public support. And that's about twice as much as the rivals from the Greens or from the Social Democratic Party who come in usually second or third place, uh, depending on the poll. But what all that means is that there's likely to be a, uh, a different coalition um, in the next uh, German government, uh, but certainly there will be a new chancellor as Merkel leaves office. And she casts a shadow um, over uh, the, the political contest that is starting to take shape, uh, both within her own party, the Christian Democratic Union, but also more generally. So the uncertainty about uh, Germany's political direction, will the CDU win uh, with a different uh, uh, politician at the helm, uh, is what we're going to discuss today and what that might mean for Germany. I'm really glad to have with us Simon Schutz, who is a German journalist who covers politics uh, and also a non-resident fellow at, uh, at AICGS. Uh, Simon, uh, really glad to have you with us. Uh, thanks for making time. Yeah, thanks for having me. Nice to talk to you. Okay, well, uh, so uh, you know, we've, uh, we, we've set the stage here. Um, the, the, the CDU has to choose a new party chairman. Um, when's that gonna happen? Well, supposedly in January, um, but it's been the third try now because normally they wanted to do it in April and then we all know COVID came and they postponed it to December, but then the second wave came and they said, let's do it in January. So now the plan is to have the vote in January. It's still being discussed um, how it's going to be done. It's most likely going to be digital, but there are still some legal questions. But in the middle of January, the final date will be announced on 12th of December. Then they have another session talking about it. But middle of January, the CDU will vote a new party leader. Okay. And uh, to, to remind our listeners uh, why this is necessary, there is a party leader right now, um, the defense minister, uh, Annegret Kramp-Karrenbauer, and uh, she has been uh, chairperson uh, for a little under uh, two years, but she announced uh, almost 12 months ago that she was going to step down um, as party leader. So that's why we're in this, uh, in this situation again. Um, 
this and and the postponement you talked about, uh, Zimon, uh, does that? Of course, it's because of the pandemic. But does that indicate any other problems brewing inside the CDU, in your view? Well, the thing is, this has been going on for a year, and as you just mentioned, the big project of Merkel herself putting. AKK, Annekid Kamkambauer, as her successor, she was her favorite candidate, failed. I mean, she stepped back and she now the party is looking for a new leader. And the thing is that since then, the CDU, which is usually a party that is pretty, well, pretty organized when it comes to authority and not putting conflict out there, is struggling to find a new leader. And of course, it would have been nice if this was just settled and if they could go into the next year with a leader and with a potential candidate for the election with the chancellor candidate. Because the SPD, for example, the Social Democrats, they already have chosen their candidate for the election next year in September, which is Olaf Scholz, who is currently the vice chancellor and financial minister of Germany. And, and also a, a pretty uh, moderate figure, someone who probably has the potential to appeal to centrist voters. Um, and uh, so that might position the SPD um, uh, well uh, to uh, to appeal uh, to to people who are um, you know, uh, looking for perhaps for a change, but not looking to take any risks. And especially it could be a big chance depending on who is going to be it from the CDU, because we have those three candidates who, well, one, Friedrich Merz, is the one who is probably standing for the biggest change, biggest like rivalry to Merkel. He really wants to go a different direction. Um, he's more conservative, has a big appeal to all the conservatives. And then Laschet, who would be rather, I mean, Laschet, the prime minister of Nordrhein-Westphalia, who would rather continue the path of Angela Merkel. And kind of the outsider, Norbert Röttgen, who is having a momentum right now, if you look at the polls, who would probably be the one being um, the most modern person. And let's say um, if people in Germany who are really liking Angela Merkel, she's now due to Corona and her management of the crisis as popular as before the refugee crisis. Remember refugee crisis was the moment where, where the Germans kind of, well, lost their law for Merkel. Merkel was all, always very popular, but then the refugee crisis, that really split the country and she lost a lot of popularity with a certain group. Um, but now she gained again all that popularity. And coming back to Olaf Scholz again, he, if, if Merz, if the one who kind of breaks this whole Merkel agenda, who would not be a continu continuation of the Merkel course, would be the candidate of the CDU, the SPD and Scholz would have the change to kind of put Scholz as the person who is kind of the continuation of Merkel. Mm -hmm. And that could give them a chance to be more popular because what, what might be the case is Mertz who wants to attract the conservative people again, maybe people the CDU lost to the AFD, the big risk is he might lose a lot of people again in the middle, like where Merkel won a lot of people who maybe sometimes would vote the Social Democrats or the Greens and he might right. lose those again. Right. So, so let's let's talk a little bit more about uh, about each of these uh, potential leaders of the CDU. You've you've uh, just been talking about Friedrich Merz, who, uh, of course, has a long history uh, in the CDU. He was a rival um, uh, of Merkel's 
going back more than 15 years um, to the time when uh, he he led the CDU's uh, Bundestag caucus. And uh, he was also a candidate for the party leadership back in um, in 2018, and he only narrowly lost uh, to AKK um, uh, back then. It was, you know, if just a handful of votes had, uh, of delegates had changed their minds, um, things would have gone, would have gone quite differently. Um, so Friedrich Merz, uh, as you say, is, uh, it stands uh, for the more traditional uh, conservative profile of the CDU. Um, and, and I think one of the interesting things that I notice is, is that um, in, in opinion polls, um, CDU members, they tell uh, the opinion polls that they favor Merz. Uh, if, you, if you look at uh, one of the most recent uh, polls of CDU members, uh, about 45% of them um, uh, favor Friedrich Merz. Um, and, uh, but then when you look at the at, uh, opinion of the broader public, um, Friedrich Merz is less, um, uh, you know, less well-favored. Um, he is still ahead of his rivals, but he has about 27% uh, support um, uh, compared uh, you know, in the most recent Deutschland trend, um, uh, which came out a few days ago. So what do you make of that difference between his, his support among party members um, and his support among the general public? Um, and, and then maybe we'll talk a little bit more about the other candidates. Well... I mean, in the end, of course, what's most decisive is what the CDU members think of him because they are going to be voting him. But also there's a big difference between the base of the CDU, let's see, say all the general members of them and the ones who will be at the party Congress voting because at the party Congress voting will be a little bit more, it's 1,001 um, people participating. And of course, that's not only the base, that's mostly um, really uh, party functionaries from all over Germany. So they will make the decision. But of course, um, they also have to represent the base in their decision. But just because Mertz is leading there doesn't mean he's most likely to win, even though he might be the one with the highest chances. At least it's been that case for a long time. Now, he made a few big mistakes, I would say, in the last month. There were a few moments where he said things that were discussed a lot. There was this interview. S for, say more about that, Simon. Yeah. So, for example, two things he did. So the, he had this interview with German's biggest newspaper, Bill, and he was asked if he would be okay with a gay chancellor. And he said, yes, he would be okay. Um, but then in the next sentence, he said, um, as long as uh, it doesn't concern kids, that would be his limit. So basically, he put homosexuality and um, being pedophile in one sentence. Of mm -hmm. course, afterwards, he said it totally came over wrong. That wasn't his, his intention. But it kind of said something about his mindset and his conservative views. And then again, there was another thing a few weeks ago in a talk show at Anne Will, who is a famous talk show host, and he had a discussion with the Greens, with Annalena Baerbock, and it was about um, genders and, and gender politics and equality. And he said something like, well, we have way more important topics than that right now. It's kind of like a waste of time talking about it. Even though maybe some people would agree with that, that 
financially or COVID is the bigger topic right now. Saying it like that, not a very smart move, I would say. So that's also one of the reasons why he is not very popular with a woman in the CDU. Like, but surprisingly, you would say, well, his views are very conservative and traditional. With the young party, the, the, the youth organization of the CDU, he's very popular. They already had a vote who they favor, and they favor him. Yeah. Um, so then we, um, and I think, you know, Merz, on the one hand, he has, the, he embodies the traditional um, uh, elements of the CDU, but also he is, he has this, you know, a bit of an outsider uh, image. He has been, uh, he has not been an active uh, member of the party leadership for more than a decade. And, and so he is, he is, you know, able to project uh, an image of someone who is not beholden to the current course and can shake things up uh, a bit. And you know, I think he even uh, plays uh, plays up um, that uh, that image uh, a, a bit. Uh, if we turn to Armin Laschet, uh, whom you mentioned, the minister president of North Rhine-Westphalia, um, here you have uh, someone who is who has been in executive power. Um, uh, for a number of years. He has won uh, an election in North Rhine-Westphalia, Germany's largest and richest state. Uh, so he has a, a, a record of success uh, uh, in politics that I think should be an asset. Um, why is it that he is not getting traction um, with, uh, with the CDU membership um, uh, or, or the broader public? Well, I think for him, a big moment was this whole COVID crisis and his management. Of course, um, Merz, who we just talked about, is not in a position of, of responsibility right now. Uh, so isn't uh, Norbert Röttgen, but Laschet, as a prime minister of North Rhine-Westphalia, is, uh, well, head of that big German state and in the center of the management of the crisis. And there's been kind of like, he's always been the one pushing for a more liberal course, um, like he always wanted to reopen earlier than others. And the thing is, people in the beginning not really agreed with him. That was the one thing. But also whenever he had public appearances, he kind of came over like he was annoyed by the whole thing. Like the way he tried to get over his opinion and his look on things, it just didn't help him in the public opinion. Rhetorically, not convincing. Um, and the other thing is that you have to know that Laschet is the only one of the three candidates who is trying to become the leader within a team because he mm -hmm. chose um, Jens Spahn, currently the health minister of Germany, as co-runner. And the thing is, which is also kind of a problem for Laschet, that Spahn as the health minister during the COVID crisis his popularity was rising and people say, well, he manages this well, he had a lot of public appearances. And then some people now say, well, shouldn't it be the other way around? Shouldn't Spahn be the one being the front runner of this team and Laschet the one being the co-runner? Mm -hmm. But they just announced that's not going to happen. Right. And um, of course, Jens Spahn was one of the three candidates for the chairmanship back in 2018. He finished a rather distant third, but had a, you know, had a respectable um, showing. Um, and exactly. as, as one of the youngest 
um, uh, or perhaps the, the youngest CDU politician at the national level, he is clearly um, a future, um, he, he, he has a long future uh, ahead of him in the CDU um, if, uh, if he wants it, and he certainly appears to. Um, and it was a smart move of Laschet since he thought, well, I'm more the, you know, the rational choice and the continuity in the tradition of Angela Merkel. And then he took Spahn as kind of like his conservative counterpart, because yeah, yeah. Spahn is also very popular with the conservatives. Right. Um, so Norbert Röttgen, you talked about him as the modernizing candidate. What would be different in the CDU if, if Norbert Röttgen were elected chairman? Well, what's interesting is that he is the only one of the candidates talking about realignment, a new orientation for the party. So he really says things have to change, things have to be redone. So um, he wants the party to be more modern. What that means is they have to become more urban, because when you look at the cities, that's the places where the city is not very strong, they lose more and more uh, mayors and cities, often to the Greens. Greens are very popular in the cities. Um, he wants a party to be more diverse. They have had a problem with women. There are way more men in the city than women. So that's something he wants to change. And he also wants to attract more of the young people. He is the one who is probably um, most modern when it comes to climate politics, who says we have to get this done. He's also the one who I would say it's most certain for a black green coalition when the next government would come. So mm -hmm. um, let, they would, he would be most likely doing that with the greens. And also- If, I, if I can interrupt you, if I can interrupt yeah. you, Simon, uh, uh, just to point out that, you know, there has never been a black green coalition at the federal level. So that would be kind of a path breaking thing. It's happened at the state level, including um, in, in places like, um, Hesse and uh, Baden-Württemberg, but uh, it's never that would be a new uh, a new development in German politics. Exactly, and right now that's the most likely coalition to come. So if you look at the polls, the Social Democrats still struggle, mostly come in third. The Greens are more or less on that twenty percent level, and it is very likely that they're going to be in the next government. And also with their new program and everything, they are really aiming at it. And uh, I think the CDU knows that most likely they're going to govern with the Greens. So Norbert Röttgen would be very good with that because also he has this digital, again, he already said he has this Deutschland Digital uh, 2025. So he has a digital agenda as well. Um, and that could be an advantage because when you look at this whole thing about where Germany is going in the future and you look again at Friedrich Merz, where I said before, he might lose to the middle, to the left, yeah. and to the Greens, and even to the Social Democrats, with Scholz being the continuation of Merkel, then people fear that if he becomes the new leader of the CDU, the Greens might even be the strongest party and lead a, a green left-left coalition, mm -hmm. which would be right. with the Social Democrats and the left party might be overthinking it, but it's possible. Right. Um, so, you know, you, you pointed out, and, and it's, it's worth repeating, I think, that what matters uh, in the choice of the new CDU chairman is um, uh, it doesn't, it, you know, it is not the, the overall public opinion. 
Um, it is not even the opinion of all CDU members. It's the opinion of those 1,001 delegates who will gather digitally or in person to uh, uh, to vote on on a new on a new leader. But I was struck in looking at uh, the, uh, the 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 last um, uh, Deutschland trend poll that came out uh, about a week ago. Um, because they asked people, um, you know, which of the candidates they support. And Merz was first with 27%. Rutkin actually came in second. This is, again, the, the general German public. Um, it is not CDU members. Um, he was second with 16. Laschet was third with 15%. But 21% said none. 21% uh, of the German public um, didn't support either or any of those three. So, you know, is there any chance of a surprise candidate emerging um, uh, beyond those three candidates in the next month or month and a half? Well, there have been talks about it. So I would say it's possible, but I don't think it's very likely because right now, also, I don't see anyone who could be that person. I mean, Spahn, we just said he is not going to be the front runner in the team. Right. And um, besides that, I mean, what's also interesting is there's no woman. Um, I mean, both Mertz and Röttgen, they said that uh, the general secretary is gonna be a woman with them, but still it's a very male competition. The only thing that's interesting when it comes to, you know, another candidate is only two of those three candidates say if they win the party lead, they also wanna be running for chancellor. That's that takes us to our next uh, our next topic. So uh, I, I I appreciate uh, the uh, uh, you're raising that. Um, so we're not likely to see a, a different candidate for the CDU chairmanship, though. Um, Most likely, yeah. I mean, some have been talking about Ralf Brinkhaus, who is uh, currently uh, leading the, the, the party the, the party Congress, um, but the parliamentary group in in the in the German Bundestag. But I don't think so. I also don't think that anyone has the groups behind them to be voted. Um, well, a surprise is always possible. That's why it's called a surprise. But I'm pretty sure it's gonna be these three candidates. And, okay. and then the other thing is, you know, which is also interesting, uh, that probably there will be a runoff, you know, in the first round, nobody might have the majority and then two of them. Uh, will uh, be running against each other. And then it's also interesting, whoever, you know, is out of the race first, and then it's a race who gets those votes behind himself in the second right. round. Right, okay. Um, so that brings us to the to the point you just mentioned, and that is, you know, the, the chairman of the CDU is normally that, uh, you know, the candidate for the chancellorship. Um, but there is a new possibility in the air um, this year. Uh, there has been talk about Markus Zuder, who is the chairman of the Bavarian Christian Social Union, the sister party of the CDU. He's also the minister president of Bavaria um, and so has experience um, uh, in leadership at that level. Um, so, uh, you know, there is, uh, people have brought his name uh, into the discussion as a possible candidate. Um, the first question, Simone, when does when do the CDU and CSU have to decide uh, who their chancellor candidate will be? Well, I mean, there is nothing like a mandatory date to decide, but they should decide shortly afterwards the party congress in January. I mean, some talks are saying it should be two or three months 
after the decision in January. So let's say latest in April, we should mm -hmm. know. Well, and, and certainly if you consider that the election is going to be in September, um, you can't wait too long um, uh, and, and lose valuable time in the campaign uh, phase um, if, you, if you postpone that decision. Exactly, since the Social Democrats already know and they can now uh, tailor a campaign that suits their candidate. And since we already talked about the three candidates being different, it's not like you can already make a campaign and then you just put it on the person because that won't work. Um, yeah. That has happened before with other parties, with other candidates. Um, you have to make something that fits the person chosen. I mean, if Laschet or Merz would win in January, it's pretty clear because they make clear if I'm going to be winning this, I'm going to be the candidate for becoming the chancellor. Röttgen, though, he's the only one saying, oh, you know what? I could also just be the party leader and make space for Marco Söder, who you just mentioned. And if you look at the polls, it's interesting that in Germany, he's the most favorable of them when you ask the whole public who should be the next chancellor candidate. So, so it, it presents a, a decision for those 1,001 delegates. If you, if you want Marcus Söder to be the candidate, if you don't think um, Merz or Laschet are best are the best positioned uh, to win uh, the the September 20, uh, 2021 election, then you, you you should vote for Norbert Röttgen um, by that logic. Exactly. I mean, this would be a logic people could follow. Um, people could say he is the candidate, Söder is the candidate right now who will most likely bring us into government 2021 we should have him as a candidate. I mean, they have tried it before. There have been candidates of the CSU trying That's right. to become the chancellor and they failed. Uh, Strauss yes. and Stolberg both failed. So uh, nobody knows if Söder could do it. He, he likes to being put in that position. He always plays around with it saying, well, Bavaria is his home. That's where he wants to be. But at the same time, he leaves the door open yeah. to to go there. Um, I want to talk about his motivation or the, the factors for him in a second, but last thought on the, um, uh, on the CDU side. Um, could you imagine a situation, you know, if you have a, a victorious candidate, whether it's Maritz uh, or Laschet or, or Rutgen, as we've already discussed, um, but that candidate only wins by a small amount. Um, so you've got essentially uh, divided opinion within the CDU and also you don't have the aura of a strong candidate with you with a unified party behind him. Um, do you think that could also, um, you know, create circumstances in which either Merz uh, or Laschet might feel um, necessary to to offer the candidacy to Zodar? Is that conceivable or not? Um, I am pretty sure that Merz would not do it because he is somebody who has a a very big ego and he's he made clear that he wants to go there and i think lashen wouldn't do the same thing either they both if they win they made that clear before but you you put a very interesting point because you said you talked about the division of the party and the truth is the party is still pretty divided um even though merkel is very popular right now that kind of covers the whole thing mm -hmm. but 
still a lot of people feel like she took the party too far left. She's yeah. been um, too soft on migration and on social politics. And like Mertz, uh, the, the, the supporters of Mertz would also say that this shift of Merkel made space for the AFD. Mm -hmm. um, so they, they want him to gain back those votes that maybe are or left to the right. And the thing is, no matter who is voted, I don't see any candidate right now who puts all the troops behind him. Yeah. Because, so, yeah. So for Marcus Zuder, um, is there, uh, you know, what, what is the, what is the risk? Is there any, what's the reason not to be the chancellor candidate if, um, if the, um, if that post is there for the taking? Well, I mean, I think right now, it could be a big chance for him because things are going good. On the other hand, in Bavaria, the last election he, he had there, he won, but it was kind of not a very successful election for him. So I think he would prefer maybe going to Berlin, having won an election big time in Bavaria. Uh, that would still need to happen. But um, in general, it's a big chance for him. I think he would also like himself in that position. But the question is always right now, yes, Söder is very popular within Germany, but normally when it comes to a CSU candidate, the people outside of Bavaria are a little bit skeptical. Yeah. Um, it's not the case yet, but it's also not campaigning time yet. The mm -hmm. image of Markus Söder being as popular right now has two reasons. One is the COVID crisis and his management of the COVID crisis because he's been the tough guy. He's the one always um, trying to get, you know, stronger rules, uh, more stricter rules and been on the side of Merkel who is also in favor of that. And then also Söder changed a lot since the election in Bavaria. The last election- he Certainly moderated his positions, hasn't he? Totally. I mean, the last election he was kind of trying to take positions rather on the right to weaken the AFD. Didn't work at all. And now he's doing the shift to the Greens, becoming a very green and, and, and modern uh, minister of Bavaria. So um, that might also make him more likable when you look all over Germany. Yeah. So that brings us then to, uh, to the question that you, you just uh, uh, were, were hinting at. Um, you know, the, the CDU is is a center-right party that has always been fo focused, first and foremost, on winning elections um, and, in, and in governing. You know, there's there's the, the saying in German that the, the CDU is a Kanzlerwahlverein. Um, and so, uh, you know, we talked a little bit about um, the difficulty of restoring unity within the party because it is divided over these different options. Um, and it also has a, has another challenge, and that is um, right now, as as you pointed out, uh, Chancellor Merkel is very popular. Um, that popularity is personal, but it also spreads to her party to to some significant uh, degree. And as we get into 2021, and it becomes uh, you know more and more clear to the public um, that her retirement is imminent. Um, it's a question of whether whether voters um, are going to transfer their respect and affection for Angela Merkel to the new CDU leader. 
Um, what uh, you know is there any is there anything in history or in the opinion polling or in any other uh, data that uh, helps give an answer to that, Simon? It's pretty hard since, as you just said, the developments are so much related to COVID right now, you know, um, since the standing of the CDU was by far not as good before the COVID crisis. I mean, in some of the recent polls, they even get more than 40 percent, which mm -hmm. hasn't been the case forever. And before COVID, they were in the mid 20s, like 25, 27, something like that. So if you look at that and you say a lot of what's happening right now is due to Merkel's popularity within this crisis being, um, I mean, she, she gave all of the television speech, explaining everything to the people. She's been more emotional than ever because Merkel is not known to be emotional, but right now she's really in that position of, yeah, taking care and taking this very seriously. But let's say this bonus is her and you would take that away again from where we are right now then you see the whole race is way more open again with the greens being second on 20 something so of course it's not like all the votes go away if merkel leaves but if mertz for example takes over as somebody who is really not the continuation of merkel who has a big rivalry with her some even say his main motivation is just to you know win against that woman once and now taking over that position, um, that might push away a lot of the Merkel voters. Mm -hmm. And and then I think, you know, a last, uh, last topic before we uh, bring our discussion to a close, and that is, if we if we take a step back from this, uh, the, the party politics um, of it, you know, what, what will this election mean for Germany's place in Europe for its international relationships, um, you know, to put it to, to put it in a very blunt way, why should people care um, who the next leader is? Um, is it is it going to mean uh, some change uh, rather than continuity? What's your what's your feeling? Um, once again, depends on who it's going to be. I think, for example, who has a very clear position on foreign politics is Robert Rutgen. He is also the chairman of the foreign comedy right now. So that's kind of his feel. And for example, one topic that's also interesting to very um, many Americans is this whole debate about Nord Stream 2. He is the only candidate who says, well, if I become the leader, first thing we're going to do is stop Nord Stream 2. Nobody of the others says that. It's also not the opinion of Angela Merkel, as we all know. They want to finish it. He's also for a very strict course towards China. And um, I think he, he would work along well with Biden. Same for Laschet. Matt, I mean, he recently said, that's one of those other sentences we talked about before that might be not the smartest ones to say. He said, well, I would get along well with Trump. Well, now Trump is not the president anymore when Germany votes, most likely. Um, so that doesn't mean he won't get along with Biden, but that says something about his politics uh, and his style of politics. But then also another thing would be the economic situation. That's also related with foreign politics, because when it comes to the whole development in Europe right now, Merkel and Macron gave that huge amount of money to get Europe through the COVID crisis. And Mertz, for example, kind of criticized that. So mm -hmm. when it comes to that leading part of Germany within Europe, 
It's a big question. Interestingly, because of COVID, this whole Europe topic and international politics hasn't been in the center of the debate right now. So a lot of it is still also in the open. Yeah. Okay. Well, there are plenty of things to uh, uh, for us to continue following there and uh, certainly consequential uh, decisions to uh, to be made very soon in the CDU, between the CDU and the CSU, and of course, in the uh, federal election that will happen um, if, almost nine months from now. So uh, we're going to continue to watch all of those things. Uh, Simon, I want to thank you for being uh, a guest here today on the Zeitgeist and uh, enjoyed the conversation. And we look forward um, uh, to having all of you, our listeners, back with us uh, again on the next episode. Um, and uh, thanks for joining us today. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the Zeitgeist, a podcast produced by the American Institute for Contemporary German Studies at Johns Hopkins University. Send us your feedback by email to info at AICGS.org or catch us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at AICGS. Don't forget to check out AICGS.org for more information from today's episode. Auf Wiederhören.